Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So the topic of the talk today uh, is about impermanence. And the question is, is the knowledge and the practice of seeing impermanence, does it bring happiness? And if it does, what kind of happiness? What is the quality of that happiness? So the way this topic appeared for me is um, from a chant that we used to uh, sing on retreat, many retreats over the years. And I think Jean was at a retreat where we sang this every day for 10 days. And it's about impermanence, and I'll show it to you. It's called the Anicca chant. Here it is. And um, Anicca is impermanence in Pali. And um, we'll sing it together, and I'll tell you more about it. Okay. So... Um, so I'll do the line and then you could repeat it. Okay. Let's see if I could hold a chart and <coughs> sing at the same time. You need a Vanna White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who wants to be Vanna? <laughs> okay. So you ready? <clears throat> All things are impermanent. All things are impermanent. They arise and they pass away. They arise and they pass away. To be in harmony with this truth. To be in harmony with this truth. Brings great happiness. Brings great happiness. Thank you. Thank you. So the reason why I um, brought this chant today was um, simply that I realized that we would chant this on retreats, and then, you know, as chants go, songs, um, it would uh, stick in my head, and I would hear myself singing it. Do you do that sometimes? Mm -hmm. I'm still singing in the back of my head, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. No. No, <laughs> right. um, but anyway, so this one would stick yeah. in my head. You know, and I would be singing it and chanting it throughout the day as the days go by, except I'd never realized that I had um, changed some of the words. And so the way I was singing it in my head, don't laugh, okay, was, um, you know, all things are impermanent, they arise and they pass away, to be in harmony with this truth brings great suffering. Wow. <laughs> 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 Outing myself as the good Buddhist that I am. And then I would wake up and I'd, I'd say to myself, well, that's not the chant, but this, that's the chant that came out. And this would go on for years. And uh, seriously, this would go on for years. And then I realized, I'll let you take that for me, thanks. Um, that um, the reason why that was happening was that a part of me did not 
like the idea of impermanence. Right? There's a part of me that really liked permanence, and I'm sure there's a part of you that feels that way. That as a, a human being, maybe you can put it on the chair there sure. so one Mark can see it back there. So one Mark can one see it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have fun with this. <laughs> um, you know, there are parts of us, and it's natural and normal to uh, seek the sameness and constancy and to crave it. Some of the things that we crave naturally, because we're human, we crave safety, security, sameness, right? Um, calm, ease, care, <coughs> kindness. We like constancy. And it's probably on some level very healthy. So the chant was really challenging this desire and attachment, which is natural and normal in the human mind and body and emotion, to wanting things to be the same and not wanting to lose the things I love and like. Pretty normal, right? So then the question arose as I were asked in Buddhism to contemplate impermanence and to see impermanence as a practice. The question arose, why does this bring happiness? Right? For me. That was the uh, trailhead. That was the journey. How is this happiness? In a very honest way. So, so what I want to do, um, and I went to Joseph Goldstein, who gives so many talks on impermanence beautifully, and many of you have heard them, and hopefully I can share some of his teachings on this, and we can explore it as a group. So one question I have for you is, did anyone notice anything in their environment today or yesterday that was impermanent? that was pleasant, that they liked. Yeah? Uh, when I went to Bill Maher Friday night and saw Barbara Streisand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was wow. a lifelong dream and it was impermanent. It was oh, that's a good one. Yeah. We're not going to top that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, they cemented the curves. Yeah. Oh, yes. nice. Anybody else? Something you noticed that was impermanent that you liked? Yeah. Oh, I help make it impermanent. What's that? I, I cleaned my windows this morning and, uh, and I saw that they're nicer to look through. Oh. <laughs> that won't last. <laughs> yes. I got a massage. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. So I went to the beach, it was very sunny, but I was happy I left because otherwise it would be too much sun. Good one, good one, mm -hmm. good one. Let's get a few more. I went to the Korean bell and rang the friendship bell yesterday. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 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 So you can already see some wisdom in noticing that these things that we love and we're very fond of ended. They had an ending. Yes. I, I went to an art show last night, and I met uh, one of my favorite directors, David Lynch. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I was blown away. I had a brunch with my friends yesterday morning. 
Um, I'm going to have to change my topic from impermanence to mudita, sympathetic joy. <laughs> Thinly veiled as envy. <laughs> yes. Well, see, I appreciate that things I don't like also come and go. Well, let's stop. Wait now. Okay, so let's switch. And I want you to tell me some things that you noticed in your day or week. Or today that were impermanent that you didn't like. Okay. You're on. Well, I was worried about something that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel that well yesterday, but I'm feeling great today. God, that's gone. Anybody else? Um, I unfortunately uh, lost a job, so mm. that's yeah. still processing that. But I mean. I feel a lot better, and I know that it is impermanent, that it will pass, and that, hey, there's plenty of other jobs out there. It's just still something that... Yes, thank you. It's a good one. Not such a good one, but a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a, a difficult conversation with a friend yesterday who was just struggling, and I was just seeing his suffering, and a lot of it was because of the grasping stuff. But, you know, that conversation ended, right? I mean, it wasn't like going on forever and ever and ever. So. Yeah. I still feel to this day that one of the happiest moments in my life of impermanence was when my statistics class ended. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big one for me. Yeah. Anybody else? So you could see, in a way, we could end the talk in a certain regard, right? You could see that um, phenomena and conditions are coming and going all the time, and some of them we love, and some of them we don't, we don't like, and some of them we're kind of neutral, but they're coming and going regardless of how we feel about them, right? And when I contemplated this chant, what occurred to me after a long time is I was not noticing the word harmony. To be in harmony with this truth. Right? To be in harmony with what I cling to as a human being, you know, as a, a mom, a daughter, a worker, an activist, someone who... Uh, would love to end suffering like you as well in many levels what I cling to right and What I know will pass and cannot be clung to What I, I what through awareness? There's a knowledge of impermanence right to be in harmony With the truth To be in harmony to be to find the middle and the balance of this truth Right? Not to push away parts that aren't good Buddhist or clinging. Clinging will always happen. Clinging's human. Right? Not to reject that. And yet to notice when there isn't clinging. And to find the truth, the harmony in the middle. So I'll tell you a little bit about some of Joseph's teachings. And many of you have heard him talk. So... Um, 
there's so much emphasis on the secular mindfulness, right, as a way to be happy and present in the moment, you know, and hear fully, and this gives me some calm and ease. And Joseph likes to remind us and that um, <clears throat> mindfulness is not the end, but it's this journey that takes us deeper and the awareness is a vehicle uh, for moment to moment what's arising, the truth of what's arising, um, to take us out of grasping, greed, resistance, pushing away, the ignorance, the greed, some of the things that we call defilements, to get to, and not like we're getting somewhere, but to allow this wisdom to arise, the truth of the way things are for us. And um, it allows us to investigate what's true, what's the truth by skillful means. And one of the ways that we can really drop in and notice the way things are is to, is to be aware of the impermanence in our lives. Not intellectually, we know that uh, the talk will end our bodies will change, even the fact that we won't be here. We know this on an intellectual level, but to see it moment by moment experientially and give ourselves that pause to know it, even for the small things and the little things. I was at a conference for the week. I was in a really beautiful place with redwoods and rolling hills, and just gorgeous. The buildings were beautiful. It was a brand new facility and the architecture was beautiful, the food was beautiful, and um, just giving some time to seeing moment by moment the unfolding of impermanence. That good, rich cup of coffee ended, that great conversation ended, you know, that difficult emotion ended. It began and it ended. Just to notice that experientially that it's here. Um, the truth of change. And to know it as it's happening, as it's unfolding. And as we know that, he's, he's um, pointing to if we can practice that moment by moment and know it as it's unfolding, it gives the heart and mind a chance to relax and let go of the grasping and to experience that for ourselves to see if that's true. So I spent the week seeing if that's true, knowing that this fabulous week, a great teacher and great people, and clean air, and redwood trees, right? To see if it's true, does the heart and mind Relax the grip is the desire and the grasping opening. And I, and I could see that uh, in that moment, in these moments. And that's impermanent too, that awareness, right? It's all going. So, um, so we can see when we're holding on to the pleasant, so many good meals, I did not want to let go of that chef. 
<laughs> right? So many good things that we hold. And we even hold the not so good things. Have you done that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We hold the not so good things too. And we cling to the idea. So some of the ways that this can be helpful is to loosen the grip by widening the view. Noticing in the moment how um, we get lost in thoughts, emotion, beliefs, being right, this whole mental life. And if we can maintain the awareness that thoughts are impermanent, our ideas are impermanent, our emotions are impermanent, you know, what we feel when we feel we're so right and it has to be a certain way, that's impermanent. And, if you, and when we look back, we know that to be true. I remember all the times I was so worked up and upset about something, poof, it's gone. Right? It's gone. It's in the ether. And he's saying if we can bring that awareness forward into present, he says we know it by looking past that it's gone. But we don't always know it by looking forward. So we have this tendency to lean into the next moment and the forward motion as if, and we talk about this a lot, like the next things that are in our day or our week are going to be so wild and different than the ones now, or bring us happiness or something else, something added. Right? So he's saying bring this awareness forward and see what happens to your experience. We can only practice and see what happens, but there is a relaxing down. Um, Nibbana is the Pali word for awakening, but it's also was <coughs> used uh, very practically in the days of the Buddha for things like <coughs> when uh, the rice was cooked and it's cooling, it's cooling down. The rice is Nibbana, Nibbaning, you know, and so you can see from noticing this a cooling down and an anchoring and centering into the truth of the way things are. See it for yourself, right? So um, by noticing that everything changes, we don't cling as much. And there's a bigger perspective, a wider lens. When I got back to work after being off for almost three weeks, and it's like you walk into that clinic and it's busy, and the full catastrophe is, <laughs> you know, it's just welcome, you know, the whole drama of it. And I found myself, you know, really getting sucked into just the daily problems that were waiting for me and everyone else, right? The daily difficulties. And then I stopped for a moment and looked around and said, you know, uh, all of us, we're not going to be here in this clinic at a certain point. Our careers will end. And the patients will come and go. The building will come and go. Uh, the employer will come and go and change. The laws may change. Even the way we practice mental health, I work in mental health, will change. It's all coming and going. And that moment had that cooling effect. 
there is a wider lens in which to exist, in which to find that moment, that center, to find that harmony. So by this kind of contemplation, and you'll check it out and do it week by week, moment by moment, is there a happiness in knowing the way things are? Of course, um, we see this in nature. Galaxies, stars, planets, they all change. They live and die, just like us. The Milky Way, it's all transforming before our very eyes. And uh, even the neurons within a cell are moving and changing. The nanoseconds of the movement of the subparticles in the cells of our body changing, moving. So the suttas tell us um, that the more we see impermanence, the less we cling. And the less we cling, the less we suffer. And the less we suffer, the mind is not as agitated. And wisdom, skillful action, um, arises naturally in this flow of change. And so he's asking us in your life and in your experience to um, notice. We tend to notice when we're clinging a lot, but we're also not clinging a lot. We don't notice it, what that feels like, the not clinging, clinging when you have really let go. What does that feel like? Notice that in your body, in your mind, in your heart, and take a moment to feel and sense that and allow that in when it's pleasant and when it's unpleasant. We were on our trip, Joel and I, and uh, we were really um, had the good fortune to be in some beautiful places, like some of you, I know Mark is going, and um, Holding that thought, it's coming and it's going. We're here and it's going. Seeing Barbara Streisand, it's here and it's going, right? It's coming, it's going. It left me, I felt, with a very much richer, deeper palette, you know, the deeper sense of gratitude and presence for that moment. That moment. It's here, it's gone. But to fully take it in the heart, you know, opening the heart to it in every way. And then there was the moment of um, customs when you get into the country and over and over again they're checking and unpacking and asking you and you're standing, right? Unpleasant, unpleasant, right? And that too is impermanent, although it didn't feel that way <laughs> at a certain moment, right? Um, so, we're always thinking in Buddhism about that second arrow, that things are coming and we can't control them, like a big election. And we may have some um, agitation and worry, but there's that second arrow, and that's our internal reaction 
do we increase the suffering by the way we respond? Or do we hold it differently? So, let's see. The quote from Lady Sayadaw, who is not a lady. His name is Lady Sayadaw. And um, he was um, a monk, I think, in Burma or Thailand. And um, if you want to read about him, you can access that on the web. And he's saying, um, not seeing impermanence is ignorance. Seeing all phenomena as impermanent is the doorway to insight and awakening. So see if you can find your doorway. See if you can find the doorway. And uh, there's one saying that I really like. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. So Henry David Thoreau uh, was on his deathbed at age 44. Thank you. And someone asked him on his deathbed if he made peace with God. And Henry David Thoreau's answer was, I did not know we had ever quarreled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it goes. <laughs> yeah. So um, we don't have to quarrel, and maybe we do. Right? And the harmony for me is in finding compassion for, for this being when this being clings. Knowing it's also a condition and we're hardwired in many ways to cling. Not having a judgment about it. Clinging happens. The heart aches. The heart holds. The heart wants to control. Keep it in its grip. So having compassion for when I don't want to see impermanence, when I don't want change, being fully compassionate and kind to that part, being with that part, and yet knowing the truth of the way things are, that things will change. One more quote, if I can find it. Someone asked, um, one of the great Zen masters, Suzuki Roshi, look, just give me the Buddhist teaching in a nutshell, one sentence. I just want it condensed. <laughs> Tell it to me now. And he said, everything changes. So everything changes. And how do we find the harmony and the truth? And what is the nature of that happiness for you? One of my teachers asked me to read every day when I woke up 
this um, reflection, and I'll read part of it. Um, my possessions are dependent upon conditions, right? External conditions. My job is dependent on conditions. My wealth is dependent on conditions. My friends are dependent on conditions. My child is dependent on, upon conditions. My family is dependent upon conditions. My relationships are dependent upon conditions. My body is dependent upon conditions. My emotions are dependent upon conditions. And my thoughts are dependent upon conditions. And for all beings, these conditions, social status, wealth, family members, health, mental health, all beings, all dependent on conditions, common humanity. We're all in this. All of us dependent on these conditions. So knowing that all that is near and dear to us, to all of us, are subject to change. Subject to change, subject to separation. When these things are changing and separating, all that is left is our emotional state. All that is left is awareness meeting what's arising. That's what's left. And our emotional state makes us happy, unhappy, calm, peaceful, agitated, angry, hostile, whatever it is. And it's dependent upon whether we've cultivated dependence or independence in some way. Not always easy, but true. By depending on these changing conditions for happiness, all beings, all of us, common humanity, we experience sorrow or unhappiness. And when we don't depend on these external conditions for our happiness, we're cultivating compassion, happiness, tranquility, and dispassion. Now, some of this is not easy. I'm going to cling anyway. You know, but the word that I'm going to work with is harmony. So we have time now for you to meet in some small group, two, three, four, whatever you like, and to explore for you how you work with impermanence or how you would like to work with impermanence and what does the word harmony mean for you? Right? What's your experience of non-grasping and non-clinging? Where is this difficult? Where do you see it most? And where would you like to work with it? Okay? <laughs> if it were me, you'd have all day because I don't like letting you go. Right? Yes? about these, it's been a very difficult six months for me, looking for work and um, other things, and 
I was thinking about how I can intellectualize change and how when it comes to situations like this, it's not particularly, um, you know, it doesn't fix things that well. Um, which is, I mean, now I've seen you know, things have gotten better. I found something, you know, so there's that change. But during the time, it's, um, you know, I, I, you know, it's just like one one step at a time, I guess, for me. I don't know. I just wouldn't say that the awareness of change happens was particularly bringing me happiness. <laughs> Some things, you know, are just pretty hard. So. Very true. Very true. Yes. Uh, observation. I've been noticing that uh, I take events that I don't like personally, and I'm trying to sort of move from that. And I turn. I was looking this way towards my people I'm talking to, and I see this notice: ego death on the wall. I go, "There's my answer. There's my answer." <laughs> Ego. 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 Me personally on this journey from yes I think the same thing that you know how can happiness or result from recognizing impermanence or finding peace with impermanence and it was like yeah how, how would we ever you know and yet when we went through you know what you were saying in the beginning I was like wow this feels good this is yeah why do we even think differently why why do we struggle so much and I realized at one point, though, this anxiety kicked in, and I think with this anxiety, or the anxiety was like based on this belief or this myth, really, of I cannot accept impermanence somehow. But it seems to be really just like a myth because it's not true. So um, it's kind of interesting, and in how this anxiety is just right there. Um, it was interesting for me to experience. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think with um, embracing the concept of, of, of impermanence gives me hope, you know, because I know that things will change. You know, I don't, I don't know how they're going to change, but they're going to change. And so if I'm in a bad place in my life, I always remind myself, you know, yeah, you're depressed right now, yeah, yeah. but you've been there before and you've gone out of it and you've had happy, you know, you had other moments. So, it gives me a lot of hope that things are not permanent. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yes? So I had two, two things regarding the impermanence. One, during the sit, um, my mother passed away, it'll be six years ago. Her scent kept coming in and mm. out while I was mm -hmm. sitting. Mm. Three times, actually. Mm. <clears throat> so she was here. And then um, the second thing was regarding impermanence, as I'm sharing with you, I just got back from a fantastic vacation, uh, Italy, Switzerland, and, and Austria. And each place was more beautiful than the other, and it wasn't permanent. 
I mean, you know, we moved on every couple days, and and I just came back feeling I was in harmony with with everything. I feel like I'm in a great place. I deserve that trip after the life I've had the last year with cancer, and uh, it was a great celebration. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I just realized one way. Uh, just realized I, I really like impermanence because I really don't like the opposite of impermanence. And I was in, in the south of France for three weeks in Germany and I was really happy just walking around. And I realized that I really miss that, just being somewhere else and living somewhere else. And nudge, nudge. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really happy about that one. I, I, I just, you know, I don't like the sense of everything is stuck in time. That's my claustrophobia. That mm -hmm. scares me. Anybody else? Yes. Um, travel is such an interesting example. Um, what the happiness of impermanence sometimes feels like to me is, is like a, a joy in freedom, a joy in possibilities. Like my husband and I um, had a great life in the Bay Area, we had a job and everything. We quit our jobs and we moved to China and we gave up all of the comforts of like our favorite restaurant and our friends and being able to understand people speaking all around us. <laughs> and and um, what we gained from that was I feel like I can move anywhere. I feel like I can move anywhere because I don't I don't need any of these things. I don't mm. need this restaurant. I don't yeah. need so I feel this joy and the freedom of like Oh, okay. Well, when something big does change, I can totally pivot, and I can go do something else, and awesome. I'll say goodbye to, you know, my current favorite restaurant and my current, <laughs> you know, details, um, and I'll make new details, and and it'll that'll be okay. Um, I do. I feel like because of that trip, there's like a resilience that I built by saying goodbye to so many little details and comforts. However, I don't feel like that resilience in being with the impermanence of little things really builds to being able to deal with the impermanence of big things. It doesn't feel, it may be the same impermanence, and I can say that and admit that that's true, but um, I still feel like where I deal with impermanence is over big things, like the loss of loved ones, mm -hmm. and, you know, realizing that I had huge expectations for something to happen and then they didn't, you know, so I feel like um, I have resilience for the little impermanences and I don't know that I'm really getting towards resilience for the big impermanences if that makes sense mm -hmm. Before I got here I um, was on my phone the new way of um, handling your anxiety in the moment. <laughs> Check your social media or the New York Times, right? Do we do that now? Mm -hmm. I, I do that. And um, someone had sent me a quote from Jack Cornfield. Um, the point of spiritual practice isn't to perfect yourself, but to perfect your love. And I looked at that and I thought I would even take out perfecting my love. It would be in... Um, releasing my thoughts, clinging, ideas, the machinations, all the things that cover love, 
to just know love. Yeah. And so we have to have respect for the journey you know, in this and the tenderness in which we hold ourselves and the things that we cling to. Very real, very real, our survival, our upbringing, our conditioning, our culture. To really respect that with kindness and with care, and yet to know a deeper truth. And as Carl Jung said, to sit with the tension of that, the tension of opposites. To find the harmony in the tension of the truth, of opposites. So I want to thank you all for taking this journey. It's a big one. I like to say this is a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> it blows your mind, right? Your frame. So thank you for coming along on this journey of mind-blowing experiences. And wherever you land with this, have compassion for where you are. You know, hold it with compassion. Our common humanity is that we're all in this together. The changes we want, the changes we don't want, the things that are difficult and are truly difficult. As Rick had mentioned, some things are truly difficult, Alexander had mentioned, and they're difficult in that moment, right? So mostly we want to go with um, dropping into the heart <coughs> and holding everything that arises with a big heart, big compassion. Big compassion for our suffering and the suffering of others. And, and so we'll end that way. And, and maybe today we'll say it out loud together, being that we sung together. Let's say um, our loving kindness together. How about that? So repeat after this one. You can close your eyes for a moment. May all beings be safe from and free of harm. May all beings be healthy in body and in mind. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be free of suffering. And whether you're a refugee, a citizen, whether you're carrying everything you have on your back or you've got a big house, may all beings be free of suffering. May all beings be free of suffering.